always a surprise with the music, is it not? That's, that's DJ Jazzy Joe over there. Yeah, and Inner Circle. We've covered that before. <laughs> well, we appreciate everybody joining us today on 1400, uh, 100.7 FM, 105.9 FM. You can also follow us on Facebook, WSIC News. Uh, comment, feel free. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to be back. Missed last week, so we're back in the saddle again. I was going to say, you have been uh, quite the world, or at least the I'm state traveler over the last couple of weeks. It has, been, it has been busy. It's a busy time of the year. You know, the General Assembly is... Uh, you know, they still have not approved the budget, so there's a lot of things going on like that and a lot of stuff here locally. We've had a lot of big issues going on over the last two weeks. One was, you know, the shooting involving the young child that we, we spent a lot of time with. Uh, yes, sir. You know, education, you know, it's like I said, the, the press, and, and, you know, we, we did a little thing. You know, we, you know, you want to sit there and we've got to preach safety, and it's like I said in there, we'll do that the day before and the day after. We're not going to do it that day. It yeah, that— for, that was an interesting press conference. Uh, you know, I mean, I understand media folks have to get the story, and they we do. we we did a good job of letting the pertinent details out, trying to trying to shield the family and some of the names and, and people involved. But th- they were just a little, yeah. And I guess before they we were go, if, unique if, this time, yeah. And if people does not know what we're speaking of, we had a, a sibling shooting, younger sibling that found a yes. gun in a vehicle. It's a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Yes, last Thursday afternoon. So obviously we got hit with that. And, you know, we, we pretty much all of us went to the call and we've got a lot of young deputies and really not what we was going to sort of go into the show, but I know I've been asked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there again, you've got to make sure we secure your weapons. We give out the gun locks. We do all that. And, uh, you know, we're not we're not here to Monday morning quarterback nothing. We know no. what happened. but. No. You know, just just always don't underestimate children, especially around firearms or a butcher knife, for that matter. But you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, out of the out of this horrific tragedy, bless her heart, this family, God bless them. But uh, it was really, it always is heartwarming to see how the first responders, the emergency services, the law enforcement, and our our first responder brothers and sisters, they we they come together and they support each other and they rallied around each other. I know. Uh, you were concerned enough about our officers that were on scene, our, our detectives, not only on scene, but at the hospital. Uh, we had a critical incident debrief with our officers within, the very next day. within 24 hours uh, to make sure that they were fine. I know that, that the excuse me, the fire service folks, they, they had one, I think it was the next day. And then there was another. Our rescue, I think, had one the next yes. day and then fire service. So, you know, Ebenezer, That's correct, correct. Outer County EMS. Uh, Outer County Rescue. Yes, uh, Outer Rescue and... Uh, you know, I can't say enough of the the good job they did. You know, initially, if you heard it, you know, the deputy just was blessed enough to, to do er- Everybody was close, but the deputy was within mm-hmm. a minute of the call. Yes. And luckily, there's a neighbor, that, a neighbor that actually tried life-saving measures, and then the deputy was close enough who carry on, carried on mm-hmm. trying to provide life-saving measures until EMS got there. So, you know, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And it was it was interesting. And there's, it's from what I remember, and I know you talked to way more media folks than I did, sir, um, but from the ones that spoke with me, obviously they want to get the story. But for me, the thing that really stood out in this whole thing was the was the neighbor, who yeah. who in today's time and 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 in the environment that we're in today was willing to literally jump in and just kind of go hands on with this child and and, pr- and provide immediate life care for just a little bit before our our men and women arrived and then took over and then obviously EMS arrived and took over from us. But wow, I mean, just you know, just I was thinking of a word that. the other day when I was doing the press conference. I couldn't think of the word. I knew the word, and it come to me later. There's one word because they asked me, "Heroic." Absolutely, heroic is the word I should have used, but I could not think. I could not place it when I'm up in front of all them cameras. And you know, there again, 
that press conference kind of odd and odd. It was. It's it was. not something we really wanted to speak a lot about, but hopefully it'll yeah. – maybe some parent or somebody somewhere went and secured a weapon yes. that maybe children would have access to it. And uh, that's sort of the way I looked at it. Yeah. But, yeah, heroic is the word. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't imagine a neighbor – You know, I don't know what her background is, but being mm-hmm. exposed to something like that. and. You know, a little, a little child, so it was tough. And, you know, that was one of the questions I was asked yesterday when I was doing it. We'll get in. I know you asked me a little bit about the PBS oh, I, thing. I've got a burning I know, question for I know, you on but that one. That was one of the questions. How do we deal with traumatic for our young officers? And yes. you and I have been on a scene, and I referred to this the other day when we done our debrief, is you out did. of all those patrol deputies, it was, it was Joe Side and Uside Fuller. I'll never forget it was in 16 that we went, and the same thing, father had shot his children. Mm-hmm. And best wisdom on our math the initial responding deputies out of the four five on three only two of them's left two so it shows the type of counseling and and things we have to have these threat you know these debriefs because you in the old days and we we told our mm-hmm. rookie guys you know in the old days we 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 were told yeah don't say nothing <laughs> yeah you know don't say nothing you're weak if you do and now we understand that if we don't have them talk about it and have them understand and cope with it that is going to be a very short career but and look at the investment we've got in them so absolutely and and there again i mean you read the stats you go to the sheriff's association you go to the national stuff i i, I was there with you this year when they went over some of the numbers but for the suicides and the divorce and the alcoholism and the substance abuse issues that that on not only law enforcement but all first responders as a, as a group of individuals seem to seem to endure especially later on in their career just by the cumulative effect of of the the traumas that we see and deal with day to day and you're exactly right. I, I remember being told, you know, don't worry about it. Go to the next call. You know, don't, don't say worry about nothing. It. Yeah. But when when you let me go right after you first become sheriff, and and, and I approached you about going to critical incident station, let you go. School, that don't mean fire. That means let you go to class. That, that's true. You that's go. true. That's true. You did. Yes. Uh, myself and, and and another gentleman that was with our agency at the time, we went and had the opportunity to come back and have done several, not only for our agency, uh, but assisted with a couple for the fire service, do some of the stuff that they deal with. And it just, you can feel it in the room because everybody's, you know, they're a little apprehensive when they get there. And, of course, they've just experienced this trauma. But to be able to sit there and watch them talk about it and to put it into chronological order so that everybody kind of gets the whole picture Mm -hmm. and to just be real with them. Unfortunately, the outcome of this case was the outcome. Uh, But to, to tell them in truth what happened, let each person explain what they did, and then let them go. Let them know going forward. It helps their brain, and it helps them analyze and be able to go over this information and be able to sort it out and take some of that pressure off of them. Well, I think we're very lucky here. I mean, our faith-based groups, Absolutely. our churches, our pastors. I would hate to to say the names because I'm scared I'm gonna miss one. Several. And the citizens offer food and support and the letters. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. It you is. Know, it's just like I told the media that day. I said our first and foremost thought is with the family. Yes. Couldn't imagine it. No. Could not imagine it. And. No. Uh, so, the bring you update, that's been one of the biggest things. I know we got a break coming up here in just a second, so we'll try to hit the press releases because— So, when, when we come back, sir, just, just to kind of ask, ask Joe to help us here, I'm just trying to figure out where the makeup's at. Okay, we'll get to that after the break. <laughs> Whatever. There's no, yeah, Joe, you, I should have had a makeover. You should have done a makeover. You, you want me doing your makeover? 
You got a point. There. No, okay, there's, okay. There's, there's a lot of open opportunities. I know. Right there's there. a great place where that's coming from. You had the opportunity, and yep. we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and drop hey, it. Hey, we'll take a break, but before we go, we still got about a minute. But at around three thirty, we're going to have a caller come yes. in today. That's you know we hear a lot about special budget stuff, and uh, yes, is Congressman McHenry's going to try to contact. He's our district here in the tenth. He is our yep. congressman, and uh, has been huge, unbelievably supportive of law enforcement. He has, and. Uh, you know, just if you know anybody that would like to hear, tune in the show. We will take some call-ins a little bit. I don't know how much the lines will be tied up, but if nothing, if you hit us on Facebook, we'll be able to at least try to do it that way if you're on the comment we section. We sure will. So, and I think we'll be back here in about two minutes. It's good to have you back after a couple be weeks back. of being gone. It's a lot cooler in here now that y'all got the air conditioning bill paid. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in about two or three minutes. See, Joe knows I like my Alfred Hitchcock music. That's why he let me have that one. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Grinning back. all the way. <clears throat> welcome back to the Good, the Bad, the Guilty, ladies and gentlemen, on WSIC. 100.7 FM here in Statesville, 105.9 for all of our surrounding villes around Statesville. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for this next little segment, if you want to call in at 704-873-1400, uh, so glad to have our, our, our sheriff, uh, Sheriff Darren Campbell, back with us today. Uh, I know you have been... Uh, all across North Carolina the last couple of weeks with your duties as, as president of the North Carolina Sheriff's Association. And as such, Joe, I promise I'll, I'll not laugh too much if you promise not to laugh too much. There's some stuff I should not tell you during the day, but go ahead. You, uh, you now, all kidding aside on this, you were on uh, a TV segment last night that will air mm-hmm. later in, in the month. I think on, it, PBS. On PBS. 22nd at 730. Which it was about night. mental health and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I know you brought up some good topics, so I, I want to give you plenty of time to address those. But uh, uh, can you tell us about what happened pre? Uh, okay, there's no you lead it. Yes, <laughs> they go in there and ask you to sit down and do makeup. So yes, I did, but I just mine wasn't about two minutes worth. Okay, the judge there about thirty minutes. Okay, so if he's listening, you know we won't call no names out. But Joe, don't Joe. laugh. Don't yeah, laugh, Joe. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I'm not laughing. She told me what it was. I, she said, just make it so you don't look so shiny. <laughs> but then, you know, they did not tell me. I did not know that we was going to have a a, uh, a town hall like with people, people. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's really people okay. there, and they got to ask questions. So, But you're right. It was on mental health. And yeah, so tell us a little bit about, about your conversation. It's, you know, honestly, the same thing. You know, back in the day, you know, well, I've said this on here before. You know, really here, even in Ireland, until we opened or got the new facility out the old Davis open, we are the largest mental health provider. Absolutely. I mean, and it shouldn't be that way. We and it was talking about some of the training we've done. Yeah, we've had increased training. We've had to change policies. We have to have, you know, a lot of crisis training that normally in the older days we would not have had. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, to work with the privatization or the private insurance companies, where the state did do mental health well, or at least a lot better than what it is now, as far as patients, because yes. there's a lot more hospitals. And uh, you know, now a little bit on the other side, I think everything, you know, mental health is not an excuse for every issue. And and I think that was covered yesterday. I mean, there no. is bad behavior. And, and as you and I have had this conversation and, and, and w- with others, we have to respond to the incident regardless. Absolutely. We've got to try to put the genie back in the bottle. Whether there is a, a legitimate mental health illness or some sort of episode that premeditated the incident, we mm-hmm. still have to respond and then deal with the individual 
And then for those other law enforcement agencies that bring those brings those folks in crisis to us in the detention center, as you have mentioned, we have to deal with that. So the enforcement section and the detention center both have to deal with mental And illness. we are so far ahead of the game. The biggest question that was asked me, what do, it's intervention. It's getting in there early, getting the kids through teen academy. I mean, when we was talking about teen academy, athletically, SROs mm-hmm. in the schools, mm-hmm. you know, that's been one of the biggest things we've talked about is if we – Help the kids now understand if they're going to deal with mental health. I'd much rather get to the problem prior to a diagnosis. If they think there's issues, and if nothing else, if they develop later in life, they'll still know who to contact, who to reach out to. It may be the SRO, or it may be an SRO answer that he give them at that time so well just just one of the things and and, and i know you got this question yesterday but some some of the folks that that you were speaking with wanted to try to paint our sros across the state not just here in our county as the pathway to prison that did not come up yesterday but i did some sidebar conversations and once we explained it, listen mm-hmm. that's the uh we're there for safety you know we got to remember i've said it before an, an elementary middle or high school is a community cluster on any given day in the community, especially for us in the county <clears throat> Excuse me. And the SROs are there, yes, also for security and active threats, but also for issues that the kids bring to school, uh, mm-hmm. domestic, you know, uh, domestic issues, custody issues that they're a part of, uh, you know, suicidal tendencies, uh, peer pressure on social media. Uh, they made a bad decision with a picture and it's being circulated or they want to know who to talk right. to. There is a lot of issues now in the school system, us purchasing the, the dogs that we have in the mm-hmm. schools. I mean, when we were talking about what we're doing here, it was unbelievably the shock in their faces. And it's like, sure. hey, we're ahead. I said, law enforcement in general has been ahead of this seven years. We yeah. knew we knew that the kids are where to stop the future crime rates. Well, as as a lot of our listeners know, uh, this is fair week in Ardell County, and I've it been is. down there several nights. You've been there, and, and a lot of other deputies and detention officers have been there. And for those that say the SROs are the path to prison, come on down to yeah. the fair, because every night we've had SROs there. And watch the kids that go to these to go to the schools where these SROs. Hey, that's are at. like saying those canines are the big bad wolf. It and ain't watch true. watch them run up to these officers oh, yeah. and shake their hands or give them hugs or Absolutely. have the parents come by and go, "Thank you so much for what you do in our school." That's the folks that I want. These people that are propagating these lies. That's the ones I want them to see. But well, and th- you're right. A lot of those are never going to see that direction. You know, I got to throw hats off to commissioners here too. You know, they allowed us to get the SROs or when we worked on the funding. Oh, absolutely. You know, the middle school and uh, you know. Our movement or our argument for for SROs in every school obviously benefited the cities, you know, traveling in states. Well, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the things. But either and way, doc, and Dr. James and, and, and Dr. The school James, board yeah. has, has been good with with warning us in their schools. And I'm telling you, if it's a security issue, every parent and I'm, I've got three in the school, well, two now in the school, one in Meredith. But any security issues that we've had, suggestions, uh, support of threat assessment, the sc- the dogs in the schools ballistic shields that we did uh we've just recently done a big thing one of the first in the state cyber swat you went to virginia and talked about cyber sure did talked about they were big supporters of that so we're way ahead of the game from yesterday so so i guess these folks that you were speaking of that may not have done their homework on Arnold county and everything that all these systems have done together i'm Mm -hmm. sure you did shock them a little bit but they were very appreciative and uh, i get my card a lot of them you know and i told them come on over to Arnold and the party and the water's fine and we'll be just <laughs> better not say it too loud down there but listen i know yeah. we got to take a break in a few minutes before uh congressman calls in yes. so we've got a few press releases uh, that few i thought great was press cool. releases this week uh just want everybody to know that uh, last tuesday august 29th our um 
we responded to an individual uh, that was breaking into vehicles at a business uh, in western Iredale County. Uh, Deputy Farrar and Deputy Sperlin responded. Two of our newer deputies here at the Arthur County Sheriff's Office uh, learned that, that the individual had broke into one car and was attempting to break into some others and had run on foot, uh, had threw some items down. Uh, when he was running, he thrown he thrown those items down. Uh, they picked those items up, found that it, it was heroin and marijuana. Uh, so our ACE team and our ICE team deputies responded to the area. Perimeter was set up quickly was able to get this individual identified and arrested as Ethan Chase Fritz of 188 Chestnut Grove Road here in Statesville. He received a $300,000 secured bond uh, from Magistrate Chambers, and uh, he is a verified Folk Nation gang member. Uh, he is verified by the North Carolina Department of Adult Corrections, so uh, not, not, a, not a really nice person. Uh, I wish we had time to read his entire criminal history, Sheriff, as you know I'm prone to like to do, but as you can see, it is several things, uh, several counts long, just in just a few of these, uh, and you have to ask yourself, why are these people not in prison? Uh, Second-degree kidnapping, felony second-degree burglary, uh, multiple break-in enterings, multiple drug possessions, felony possession of cocaine, felony possession of uh, methamphetamine, obviously with him being verified as a gang member. Uh, you know, we try to put a premium on arresting folks when I like look that. Common law robbery, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and we're still dealing with him again. And he assaulted our officer. Why can't these people go to prison? That's where we need to do a show. Joe, you got any good reasons why he can't go to prison? We could talk all day on that, and I don't want to hear the bond. You know, bond. We know bond's not punishment, but it is also which this is a good bond. So well, I really let can't. Me, I really let me can't. let me read you one that the bond is. One of those, what? See, now here comes the cloud and the rain. He's going to rain on our parade. I'm going to rain parade. on our parade, Joe. Uh, on uh, Tuesday here again, on Tuesday, August 29th, uh, our uh, aggressive criminal enforcement team was working in the area of Taylorsville Highway out toward the western part of Ardo County. Uh, identified um, uh, Mr. Larry Jamar uh, Gilchrist as having a suspended driver's license after getting him stopped. They searched the car, found ecstasy, marijuana, and drug paraphernalia. Uh, they arrested him. Now, he is currently on probation. Currently. In Mecklenburg County for felony possession of firearm by a convicted felon, Joe. He's been charged with um, uh, felony discharge of weapon in an occupied dwelling, eight counts uh, of drive while license and felony possession of firearm by a convicted felon. And he only got a $1,500 bond. $1,500 bond. I don't get it, Sheriff. Maybe you can answer that question. There's no, I mean, I guess an opportunity to get out and reoffend. I mean, I, I don't, it's so, it's frustrating. I mean, he's on probation now, found in possession of firearm. We get him for drugs, schedule one. And he's out the door before our, our men and women are done, done with their paperwork. And that's a question, you know, we, we usually don't, and you're right, that's something we need to do a conversation on one day, but it's a, I think we've threw enough hints. We we are we're educated. We understand that bond is not a punishment. It is bond to ensure, is not a punishment. It's to ensure an appearance in court, but also to protect yes. the community. Yeah, from somebody so committing. You have to in wonder. That's terms. You know, I guess I don't know. And you know, boggles I, my mind, sir. And uh, yeah, that's a question to ask. Come, you know. Then uh, on Thursday, August thirty first, uh, our interstate criminal enforcement uh, men and women were out there working interstate. Made a traffic stop uh, through their investigative um, training. Training, thank you. And, and techniques is the word I was looking for. Uh, they basically asked the guy, Joe, you got anything illegal in the car? Yeah, I got a couple pounds. You know, 
Not saying they're smart. But anyway. Um, well, that's he, great interviewing skills. That made him feel very comfortable. They did make you feel comfortable. Uh, ended up with 13 pounds of, of uh, marijuana uh, also located. And this is the scary thing about this sheriff. And I want people to, to go, uh, and we'll post this photograph on, on our Facebook probably later today or, or, or in the morning. This picture was giving me some issues today online. But uh, look at the THC edibles. And not so much that they're just edibles, but look at what they're packaged as. It looks like candy. You get a small child that gets exposed to those. I mean, it would be bad. And some other vape cartridges. Basically, the estimated street value of everything that we seized was right at $144,000. So we were able to get him arrested. Uh, his name is Nicholas Richard Tunsdale of Riverview, Florida, and he got a $250,000 bond. So, Joe, that's what By we ended up with. Arms, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good thing. I mean, that's what scares me is is the the way the pack the edibles are packaged. You well, know. you know why they're they're, <clears throat> they're for for kids. All right. Jim. Okay, we're going. I thought he was doing a wave for a second. Okay, we're going to take a break. Be back just shortly. All right, we are back with the good, the bad, the guilty here on WSIC. Uh, 107, 100.7 rather, uh, FM here in Statesville, 105.9 for all our other other locales around Arnold County. And Sheriff, I'm going to get done talking because we have Congressman McHenry on the phone. So Ma'am, I'm going to Congress- let you introduce him, sir. Absolutely. Congressman, are you there? I'm here. Hey, thanks for coming on. Everybody that does, there's nobody that does not know Congressman McHenry. I'm going to tell you, one of the things, if we'd seen the, uh, the conversations back in the spring, you've seen him right there with the, uh, the speaker. Working on the, working on everything we did on the uh, the budget or the the debt limit and everything, but you know in this 118th Congress, and I said you was elected the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, and that's a pretty big deal for a good local boy like yourself and the way you work in our district. So Not bad congratulations, for a boy who grew up in Gaston County, huh? Hey, I tell you what, you're you're doing you're doing good, and and Bill, before we even got you on the phone, we'll we'll hit a little bit, but want to say. You know, everybody know when we ask you to come on here, you have always been one that's that's here in the district working. It's not just when, uh, you know, we see it on TV and everything. I mean, you're very vocal in reaching back out, especially for law enforcement, emergency services. And one of the best thing I can see when I was looking at this, and I knew this, having never voted for a tax increase in your career. Well, it's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> That's a great start, sir. And, and and as a taxpayer, let me say I thank you so much. We do oh, appreciate the you. work. So uh, I guess really we was just going to talk about something, but what's been going on up there? And I know you've been busy, so we want to let you tell a little bit about what you've been up to lately, and then we'll get a little bit of the issues we see here because I know we talk a lot outside of the show, but I want to give you a little chance to, uh, you know, tell us what you've been up to or how things are going. Well, look, I mean, we've got a couple of big, big fights that are happening in Washington. First of all, you know, I spend my time on trying to get the politics out of our banking system, politics out of, uh, out of uh, the corporate boardrooms, uh, and fight back against uh, what the left is trying to do uh, and trying to control what businesses do in their social agenda. And that's through uh, something called ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance Regulation of, of businesses. Um, and they're trying to politicize banking and businesses in America to do the work of the progressive left. And that's what we're pushing back on in my committee. And uh, that's one of it. And then we've got a major challenge, major fight about spending and the oversight of this president and this administration. And there's a lot of work that's happening there. 
look, we've, we've got too much spending out of Washington. It's driving up the cost of everything. That's why we've got the inflation that we're feeling. And the cost of goods and services are going up uh, higher than wages are going up over the last two years. And, um, and we're pushing back hard on, on the overspending out of Washington. And the final thing I mentioned is oversight. Uh, look, yes. this president was using email accounts as vice president that have just come to life. Uh, we want to know about those email accounts. We want to know about his business relationship, uh, if there was one, with his son. And his son's business relationship we found out a lot about over the last six months. Um, and we want to dig much more deeply into that to find out uh, who was paying the Biden family and why were, why were they paying them. Absolutely. And I think you was talking a little bit about inflation, the way we're growing. You know, a lot of the stimulus we hear, we know the stimulus is as, you know, the stimulus was put in there, but we can see Jer- uh, Chairman Powell, Powell the other day talking about, you know, we don't, inflation rates, if you're looking at the Fed rates, are still high. Chances are we're going to have another rate increase. And I know you can't comment too much on that just from where you're at, but, you know, it's affecting people back home because we hear, we see it with our budget. We know wage growth is not keeping up with inflation. So we definitely appreciate you holding their feet to the fire up there and, uh, you know, that and also, you know, some of the shady business dealing that seems to benefit just a small group of people at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, or at least that's the way we look at it. Oh, yeah. But we got to get we got to get the documents. we got to do the research. we got to do the work. we got to make sure uh, that we hold people accountable uh, for what they've done. Uh, and if the president hasn't done anything wrong and the bank hasn't done anything uh, and uh, the, the president's son hasn't done anything wrong, uh, then uh, let, let's clear them. Uh, but if they have, then uh, then we need to know uh, what happened and why. Congressman, it, it almost seems like, and I'll just make this political because it is, it seems like if a, if a Republican is ever accused of doing anything wrong, uh, the, you know, the FBI, the Attorney General's officer, real quick to jump on that and real quick to look into things. But all of a sudden now, it seems like they're, having issues with issuing subpoenas and kind of a lot of foot dragging going on. And I'm just glad. Not in Georgia. And I'm glad glad that you're there to hold their feet to the fire on on those issues. Well, thank you. Look, I mean, we have have laws that need to be upheld, uh, and that's what we're trying to do here. And I I think we need to make sure the law is enforced regardless of uh, the party, regardless of uh, what office is held. Uh, That's the standard that, uh, you know, you y'all hold your department to uh and that and that um and that the, the taxpayer demands that of local law enforcement and we got to make sure that we hold those in, in the highest office of land at the, the same standards that we hold um hold everybody else in society to and, and, sir just just to go along the line with, with what you're saying there i was recently listening to a a podcast and the gentleman was in canada and was talking about how uh, the government, basically, and now the banking institutions are refusing to do business with certain individuals because of political stances that they have. And that's very scary. And the question was posed to uh, the gentleman being interviewed, uh, do you ever think that the United States would get that way? And he, there was a pause. And it was almost scary that he would even have to pause. So here again, I'm glad that folks like you are there to protect us as citizens of the United States from a, a great deal of overreach and abuse of power by industry and and other governmental officials. Well, thank you. I mean, th- this is the stuff that wait, not everything needs to be po- political, right? And, you know, you've got people that uh, need to have access to basic services 
in their life, regardless of whether or not we like their politics. Um, and right now, you got this administration a lot in the in, in the far left uh, that are trying to do things that are uh, not what the American people are used to, and not what we think is uh, is American, if you will. Yes. Uh, and, and making sure that we um, allow people that we disagree with to still uh, let their views be heard and still be um, participating members of society. Absolutely. Sometimes, and I know Sheriff Campbell has, has made this statement and, and other folks <coughs> on other issues very similar, but it's almost like in, certain individuals want freedom of speech as long as it's what they want you to say. <laughs> right, right. And, you, and, you are. Uh, liberties are, all, are not about the uh, people you agree with when you want to agree with them. It's about uh, the people you don't agree with uh, when you're when – you're, when you, you most disagree with them. Absolutely. Well, we're going to, here in just a second, Congressman, I hope you'll stay on the line. We'll come back. we got about three minutes, and we're going to take a break. But we'll sort of lead up to what we're do, going to discuss. And, and I know that you asked me to write a letter from one of your your committees and actually read it on the uh, floor, which I very much appreciate. And it was about fentanyl and the impacts we're seeing, not just from fentanyl, uh, but still the ongoing opioid epidemic, but, not, but also the flood of all narcotics. And I think, Bill, both of us have, and, and Congressman, I've spoke to you about this before. You know, we worked undercover drugs for years, and we have never seen the plummeting price of narcotics. And obviously, we know it's to do with our unsecured border. And it's to the point now where drug dealers are looking at margins. I never thought I would see that. So they've actually got a business plan. They've got a business plan. And when methamphetamine now is going for less than 250 an ounce, I mean, that's that's average, maybe even three, you know. It's margins. They can't purchase it wholesale to sell it to somebody to make enough money. Mm-hmm. And I know we spoke about it, but that's sort of the direction I'd like to take if you're able to stay on the phone and uh, we'll cover it. For Absolutely. About, okay. I Well, we're going to take a break. Bill, how much longer we got? Just a few more minutes? Oh, he, okay, about, about two, two minutes. minutes. Congressman, so, yeah. c- kind of before we, we get into that, sir, and I know you played a huge role in, in this latest budget negotiation, maybe if you could just give us a little – 30,000 foot view of, of that process, what it what it was like, and then we'll take a break and come back in and talk about our, our drug issue. Look, a debt is different than our spending. A debt is the overspending we've accrued over time. Uh, and uh, it, it's like when you find out your, your kid got a credit card at, during the first year of college, the first thing you want to do is cut up that credit card, but you don't want to ruin their credit. So you say you need to go pay back their bill, and we need a plan so that you you uh, don't spend more than you take in. Uh, so for the debt limit increase, we wanted to make sure we pared down government spending. And we had to fight like mad against uh, the Biden administration and President Biden, who want to spend more. Uh, spending is up 40 percent from pre-COVID levels, and we want to make sure we right-size the federal government. And so we got in these negotiations knowing we've got to pay our bills. And, you know, that's the full faith and credit of the United States. We don't want to burn that. Uh, but we want to make sure we pull down spending over time. And over the next two years, we'll be able to spend less money than we did over the last two years. Uh, and that is an important uh, marker for us to spend less money next year than we did this year. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, we're we we're going to take – Not enough, but we got more we're up against a We're up against a hard break. We'll be back in about two minutes, and Sheriff Campbell will bring us back in, sir. Thank you.
Welcome back to the Good, the Bad, and the Guilty. I'm Bill Hamby here. So we're just out of practice. I know. We've got to practice time. We've, we're always saying who's going to bring us back. But if you're listening to us on 100.7 FM, 105.9 FM for everybody else, we were just sitting there talking about the counties and stuff. About every county surround us at least listens to some of the show because I get a lot of people that call us so. But we're on here with Congressman McHenry. We're happy to have him on the show with us. And I think we're going to go to the things that impacts us the most, which obviously narcotics has such a nexus to other crimes. We can brag a little bit about our, you know, our crime rates plummeting, and we're one of the very few that's having that happen. So, yes, sir. so Congressman, do we have you back? Absolutely, okay. ready to go. All right, hey, ready to go. So, I think one thing we see a lot and we hear a lot about it is ha- what a great political climate it is. I think for the cartels in Mexico, as far as being able to get their product across into the United States. And sell it because we see that with supply and demand, and we see it because the the prices here locally are so low. And I've used this before, and I've told Bill, you know, every now it seems everybody that's ever saved their their lunch money can buy half a kilo of cocaine and go into the kilo or go into the, the cocaine, cocaine business, and that's yeah. what's driving your inner city crime. So I think from a federal level, I, I think y'all are hearing the same thing, and I know you're a big advocate, and you've reached out to us on the local level. Hey, what are we seeing? Because it seems locals are the eyes and ears even more so than the FBI when it comes down to the narcotics and, and changing trends? Well, look, I mean, the impact of uh, the poor southern border is something that uh, every American should understand the impact it has on their daily lives, their kids' lives. Um, and the, the detail, the level of detail you can all give me is the best I've gotten in my time public service, the, the level of detail you've given me on the impact of the drug trade in Iredell County um, is is so precise, and I've tried to take that message to D.C. to explain what's happening with a good sheriff who's enforcing the law uh, with good folks uh, that are highly trained doing this in, in, uh, in, our, in, our, in our communities every day. Um, and, and if it's happening in Iredell County, uh, we're uh, you, you have a reputation of being uh, you know, tough and accountable and holding people to account. Um, if it's happening that, you know, if it's that um, pervasive in Iredell County, um, imagine what it's like in some of these uh, counties that are uh, softer, where, where they've, they've deeply questioned what the police and sheriff's departments can do. Yes. And so you've got um, you know, less active enforcement of the law. Congressman, you have always been an advocate for strong borders and for strong law enforcement presence along our south, southern border. Um, is there a feeling for others in Washington, uh, or I guess what is the rationale, rather, uh, behind others in Washington who just want to leave our borders open? I mean, they, they know that human trafficking is an issue. They know that drugs are an issue. Um, what is their rationale behind just open the borders and let everybody come in? Well, no, they, they think they can separate these things out. They ah. think they can separate these things out, right? So if you just if you just say law-abiding citizens, it's going to be tougher them, for them to get a gun, then suddenly you have less gun crime. It, it, they're looking for a silver bullet to fix an issue. And with this, they say, well, you're targeting folks because they're coming from uh, a certain country. And, like, that has nothing to do with it. It's not about... Uh, where somebody was born, it's about whether or not we're enforcing our law and what illicit actors do 
to take advantage of uh, laws that are unenforced. So, you know, what's this like with I-77 and I-40? I mean, this is a is a pretty big thing for for Iredo County, and a, a, it's a manpower issue too, right? We've got a you're enforcing federal law basically because the because we're not doing it at the southern border. Absolutely, and we are. We you know we, as you know we have some of the more you think of Charlotte and other places, but we actually have more interstate miles than any of those when you take I forty and I seventy seven. And our interdiction unit works a lot out there. And there's cases going on now. Sitting there as we was going through the show, and I was just thinking of Bill. We've got a. Uh, a sex crime, or actually child sex crime, operating out of some Mecklenburg, some to New York, some to back here. But a lot of these things start on our interstates, and uh, we see it. And before I hit that, I was going to tell Bill Congressman, I hadn't spoke to you or maybe not about this. We were in uh, Michigan for our national conference, and I sat beside Yuma County Sheriff Leon Wilmot. Mm-hmm. And he leaned over to me and said, look at this picture. They had 40,000 Xanax pills going to Virginia Beach. Uh, they were going to sell them in Virginia for $18 a piece, but they purchased them for $4 a piece near the border. But those pills were dressed as Xanax, but they were actually fentanyl pills. So you understand, oh. and you've, you've seen what we've been saying, and you understand that wholeheartedly. Oh, I mean, that's just nasty stuff. That's nasty stuff. That one example, the number of, uh, number of lives lost, if, if that had been delivered. Yeah. And just think, that's just what's getting through. And, and you know, we've spoke about the interdiction unit we use, and that is one thing we'll sort of come to our last little bit is, uh, and I know you've always been a supportive of it, supporter of it and the way that we use it. And uh, one thing is the asset forfeiture program. And uh, I know we've always spoke about it. You've always listened to our side, and I can't say nothing but great things. But from those, especially in D.C. or some other place, even on local level, does not understand that, we can take all the drug dealers' drugs, really, or cartels. They, they just manufacture more. But when we take their assets, and for us, we have a $10,000 standard unless we've got drugs. But we're not talking about the guy that's hauling and Bill, I'll just be frank here. $200,000 going yes. to an auction, a lawful person, is nothing wrong with that money. But when you've yep. got Jesus or another guy out of Guatemala that he does not know carrying packs of $30,000 in cash wrapped in axle grease stuffed in a gas tank. And they don't know where they're going. They're just following the GPS. Yes. Those are the kind of things that, that people don't understand. There's going back to the cartels, back to the Mexican military, and you actually have always understood that. And we want to say thank you here even publicly that you've stood with us on that. And I know there's there's some issues in Washington and other places and maybe other agencies somewhere that may do asset forfeiture on a lot smaller cases. But we we use it as a tool to really – you know, really dismantle the cartels, at least what we see here locally. Well, and you got to you got to use all the tools at your disposal to, to take care of that, take care of that stuff. And frankly, when these cartels have so much money, the type of equipment, the type of vehicles that that, that, that they can use, uh, it shows how profitable it is right now. Um, and so, you know, that money goes back to the local taxpayers when y'all uh, when y'all sell it for these major drug runners and um, and we got to make sure that certainly we don't want this abused for for local folks that have a speeding ticket but that's not what y'all are doing in Iredell County by any means um, so we got to make sure that um, you know that, that those tools are being able to if you're able to readily use them uh, as you see fit at the local yeah. level 
Well, and you know, just for us, and I do know there is there is some situations that I even look at somewhere, you know, especially in some of your uh, northwestern, I guess, states, some of the biggest things. But like with us, I can give you just, we did a Bearcat with Seized Drug Dealers Money, which is an armored personnel carrier in case we had a school shooting, and we bought a boat. We had to do a lake patrol boat, didn't cost the county taxpayers a thing, and we've used it for canines, even canines in our schools, bulletproof vests, so, you know, we understand exactly what you're talking about, and, and, and we understand that some of the mood or some of the climate in D.C. is not directed those kind of operations. But I think really the thing to stress is is how it's used to, to dismantle cartels back in Mexico. You take their product, you take their business. Well, that, that, but you're using every tool at your disposal, and that comes right back to the taxpayer, and that's a huge advantage. And, and Congressman, just just to just to echo the sentiment of you and Sheriff Kimmel that you're speaking on, it is it has always been wonderful for our agency to be able to have your voice and your assistance in Washington. Uh, anytime that we've ever needed anything, anytime that we've ever had any questions, you or your staff members have been more than gracious to reach out, to call us, to come by and visit. Uh, as Sheriff Campbell was saying in, in the beginning when we were giving your introduction, you're not one of those to just sit sit in Washington and come back home two or three months before re-election time. Uh, you are here. You you are busy. You are out and about. Uh, and and I, for one, want to say thank you for that. And, and same here. And you always hear it. You know, you always hear sometimes politicians or community servants, as I like to re- refer to ourselves, but they always you hear some people say they forgot where they come from. Congressman McHenry has never forgot where he came from. That's you right. know, he was, who was down there? I didn't even make it. I was, of course, I was mm-hmm. at the PBS studio. He we was were down at the there fair last night was down without at the makeup fair. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, look, Sheriff Campbell, I appreciate you fighting the good fight for law enforcement across the state. And uh, your role uh, running the Sheriff's Association is really good for Iredell County. It's really good for the West. And it's really good for law enforcement in North Carolina to have your voice. So thank you for doing that. And, you know, you, you, you didn't think you, thought you signed up for taking the slings and arrows on P, PBS, uh, but you did it. And uh, you did it well. Hey, listen, I, from what I hear, WRAL's next. I've already got an email about a, an interview with WRAL. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> hey, Congressman, listen, we're fixing to wrap. I want to tell you how much we appreciate it. You know, as you ever need anything to hear, thank you for being a friend of law enforcement in general through all my years, many years, even before sheriff. You always heard Congressman Patrick McHenry. So you've done us a great job, and, hey, we'll catch up soon. Thank you all. Thank you. Great thank you for calling, sir. Have a wonderful yes, afternoon. Thank Travel you. safely. Take care. Thank you. Right, bye-bye. Always good to hear from the congressman. You know, it's a good show. You know, I'm not. I'm not just. We're not just bragging. He he really does. He'll reach out. He'll text me. I mean, he is. Uh, he reaches out to us. I mean, he, he does. I'm not saying nobody's perfect. Nobody. Only one perfect person's ever been around. That's and right. It wasn't us. That's right. But he's always reaching back out to us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think just just the availability of. He may not always agree with everything, but mm-hmm. he's at least willing to sit down, and listen, and hear our concerns, and and help every time that he can. He has, and I like, you know, he's, he's done a good job. And a lot of our districts, you know, we did have Ted, then we went back to uh, mm-hmm. Patrick. So we've been blessed. So, listen, until next Wednesday, we appreciate everybody calling in. You can watch us on social media, replay it, share it. We appreciate getting that message out and the congressman message also. Absolutely. And we'll see you next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Thank you, Joe.